Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It is, it is catty, isn't it? It's Katie. The extra T it is, is Katie. Just Sorry, thrown in there to throw you off. Don't worry. I haven't got any vowels in my name. So... <laughs> Just climb down, baby. Per capita export value. Library. Minister, are you embarrassed by your behavior today? There's, there's a lot of bleeding hearts around. Do you have the fortitude or the gonads to stand up and come across here and say that to me, you son of a bitch? Just watch me. He certainly went too far, Mr. Speaker, when he st- I saw him stick his tongue out. Contemptuous disregard. More than a slab of bacon talking here. The disappointment you also feel is my responsibility. I lost my temper. What is the nature of your thoughts? The word was F-A-R-T. Hello and welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring. This is a weird episode because Jesse isn't here because he's currently drinking beer or trying not to fall into active volcanoes in in Italy. But I am joined by uh, Katie Law from Pod of the North, a Canadian podcast uh, insider and expert to talk about what are we talking about, Uh, Katie? We are talking about why, like what what the heck is going on with Canadian politics and the internet? Um, and podcasts yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. I think it's just so broad. C11, C18, why people are freaking out about censorship, all that stuff. You know, it's good. It's good times here on the internet. It is. It is. And I think that we're at an interesting time where the conversation is either uh, 
Justin Trudeau is a, a, a communist authoritarian who's trying to shut down freedom of speech, or people that go in, I don't quite understand this. Nothing's happening. This doesn't change my my, yeah. my what I view and how I view it. There's this like, and I don't. I find it hard to find middle ground sometimes. <laughs> or people like, but it, but is 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 a very big debate and is also getting a lot of outside influence from around the world. People are paying attention in oh, yeah. the US and other countries to like what is Canada doing with um you know uh. And, and and I think you're probably perceiving that too, I imagine. Oh, yeah. There's been tons of articles that have come out about C11 and C18, which is C11 is the um, online streaming act. C18 is the online news act. They kind of do the same thing almost, but one is in charge of online news and one is in charge of like streamers and all digital content. And basically everybody's freaking out around the world thinking that like it is – reducing freedom of speech it's interacting with canadians freedom of speech people have called it like the most repressive freedom of speech rule like in the whole world like canadians can't even talk to each other on a daily basis like it's people are freaking out including like elon musk which this is what i think really brought it to like global notoriety yeah. where he said what did he say i wrote it down somewhere i need to read it to you because he said Trudeau is trying to crush free speech in Canada. It's shameful. Maybe Elon should spend more time focusing on Mars. Um, yes. <laughs> let's, uh, that's what he said he wanted to do. So I don't know. Um, but anyway, the, yeah, the, 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 thing I, the, the thing that happens to me is well, I have people from like family and friends from the UK going, why did Justin Trudeau stop people from accessing the news? And like those, because that's the kind of like, that's the stuff that travels in yes. comments and commentary. And, and and like, I'm like, no, it's, it's kind of, is a bit, there's a lot more complex than that. Yes, some platforms block the news and blah, blah, blah. And I try and explain, but it's a much easier narrative to say Justin Trudeau stopped people reading the news or something. Yeah. And at the yeah. same time, is like now and i know that like you see a lot of this his political uh, opponents say um uh you you you've started funding the news um in canada and therefore you own the news so you control the mainstream media narrative because you're subsidizing newspapers um which is kind of again like i don't know i think there's a valid point when you talk about government influence in, in funding newspapers and their editorial freedom i'm not an expert who can talk on that but i don't think it's not a, it's not a totally invalid point but it's still a yeah. more of an extreme projection of what they think that plays out as i guess yeah, there's a lot of pieces of this that you're like, in principle, it makes sense that people would be like kind of weary about it. But in reality, it's like, okay, you've you've really blown this up into something it's not. Uh, because the fact of the matter is when it comes to news in Canada, journalists have not been making enough money to like get by, basically, because newspapers used to be a thing. There used to be advertisers that would buy space on those newspapers, and therefore money was coming in for news publishers. And now that's not really happening anymore, and people don't want to see ads online. So news publishers can't make the same amount of money they used to when newspapers were a thing. And journalists are not making any money. So that's why Canada wants to subsidize these things so that journalists can actually make a living and report on things. And as far as I know, the Canadian government isn't regulating like what people are saying. There is like freedom of speech stuff in our like Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And the only things that are like really regulated are like hate speech and propaganda and like gross sexual things. So like, you know, pretty 
pretty typical things that you don't want people spreading around in the news, you know? I kind of perceive it as the government bailed out the newspaper industry. It was a yeah. government bailout, like like during a financial crisis where they go, hey, we're going to bail out these banks so that, you know, yeah. the, the, the banking system doesn't collapse. And I think that, but you don't necessarily say, oh, now the government controls housing or the finance sector because they bailed it out um it's i mean it's not entirely the like the same kind of comparison but it looked to me like the the canadian government was like oh this industry is going to die unless we somehow uh you know prop it up a little totally. bit totally <laughs> like, i think it's like, a good comparison yeah i think that's a good comparison and i i was spoiled like the bbc is well funded for like grassroots reporting as well as kind of like regional and national reporting um in in the uk and like canada has to do is expected to do something very similar with much less oh. resources in my opinion <laughs> so, like, <laughs> this is what i was excited to talk to you about reese because i know that you didn't grow up in canada so you don't have like the same very deeply rooted canadian experience of like hearing the same songs on the radio over and over and over again and like growing up with Our Lady Peace and like a bunch of CanCon and then meeting American friends later on in your life and realizing that none of them know those songs. You're like, don't you know this one song that used to like play on the radio all the time? They've never heard that song. And that is because of broadcast regulations. So broadcast regulations have been around for a long time and they're there to basically give Canadian content creators and like musicians and TV and uh, and radio like funding so that they can be paid. But also they're trying to like promote Canadian content to Canadians so that we're not just constantly consuming American content, which is very much the case accidentally pretty much all the time. So they really wanted like Canadian content to be in our faces easier. So that's why we have Canadian content restrictions. And because of this Broadcasting Act, this Broadcasting Act has existed for a long, long time. And it was based off of like radio and television. And now we have the internet. So it's been upgraded to then now look at, you know, podcasts and social media platforms um, and news that's being distributed on these uh, social media platforms and like streamers like Disney Plus and Netflix. So now... That's where like all this conversation has come from in talking about all this stuff is that Broadcasting Act has been upgraded to think about the internet. And now everybody's freaking out. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it says, especially with those streaming platforms, that Canadian content has to be promoted in Canada. Or there's, you know, they're alluding to the fact that there should be some kind of requirement to do it. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, my God, but I want to watch, you know, I want to watch sopranos for the fifth time um you know and um you know i, I don't want to have to watch canadian stuff instead yeah um, they don't have they don't have a sopranos yet. the office is you know, my like, like comfort show i put it on when i'm exactly. making dinner every single night like exactly and i think but but i i think that and they were talking about oh what are they going to do they're going to have like a like a banner as you turn it on that says watch canadian content the funny thing is if you go on Netflix and Disney Plus. Disney Plus has a big banner that says "Oh Canada" and is literally just a selection of Canadian-specific content for Canadian users of Disney Plus. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't actually think that. I feel like they preemptively fulfilled that requirement because mm -hmm. they were like, "Hey, as a business, maybe we should be relevant to Canadians and yeah. not just look like we're just rinse and repeat American stuff." Um, I think that like they're smart businesses. They have all the algorithmic data, and they understand that some people are looking to to. Oh, where can I see all of Ryan Reynolds' films in one space? 
because I support Canadian content. I would you definitely know, support possible. that category. <laughs> exactly. So, like, and I think Netflix does the same. Like, they do the here's the top ten shows in Canada mm-hmm. this week or tonight. Like, I, I, I don't. Um, I think the Canadian government's saying, "Hey, can you just make sure that there's visibility of Canadian content?" I don't know why it's such a dramatic reaction. I think it's because there is some government suggestion. And I mean, the internet is this free libertarian place where like there are no rules and the the whole you know the dream was that it would circumvent traditional systems to elevate humanity to some kind of nirvana status <laughs> so they're against you know those systems kind of treading on those toes but i i don't know as someone yeah. who kind of knows a lot of canadian filmmakers and like jesse's a canadian filmmaker um if he hasn't fallen in a volcano and like i friends with people like uh taylor olson who's a really like really good up and coming director i say up and coming he's established himself pretty well like for to see his work on disney plus or netflix or amazon prime i wouldn't have a problem with it i'd be like that's cool you know yeah he's he's a he's an important voice in in the next generation of canadian filmmakers Mm -hmm. i think other canadians would like to see his work i don't know i don't yeah i I, I don't i don't recoil with disgust (laughs) (laughs) well the other part the interesting part of all of that is that uh, at this point in the online online streaming act, when it comes to like streamers and everything, um, and f- Canadian filmmakers, nothing has actually happened other than no. the RTC, uh, the CRTC asking uh, streamers to register with them, and like that's it. Yeah. So they just want to know, okay, Disney Plus exists, Netflix exists, Amazon Prime exists. Crave exists, all these things. And with that happening, I think maybe some streamers have just seen, let's take it into our own hands and like make Canadian content accessible for Canadians so that like we don't really have to maybe deal with the CRTC when we figure out what kind of regulation actually looks like. Maybe we've already got there and they're already happy with what we've been doing and we don't have to like pay them money and we don't have to do all this stuff because ultimately what really deeply happened was that uh, the other side of this, the news, the online news act, basically (laughs) the CRTC asking uh, online uh, news providers like Google and Facebook, like we've all seen like our aunts and uncles posting articles from the Toronto sun or whatever on Facebook. And uh, Google is obviously thriving off of news that exists. So once the news stuff came out, Meta was actually not super pleased about the fact that Canadian content might be messed around with. Um, and they pulled all Canadian news from their platforms. So now Canadians cannot post any like news links or anything from CBC and the Globe and whatever it might be um, on Facebook or on Instagram. So that was kind of like, okay, we've seen this hat, what could happen if, if Canadian tech uh, or if um, big tech companies and, and distributors don't want to play ball, they could just leave Canada altogether and be like, we're not going to distribute any Canadian content. So that's where I think like people are kind of worried about when it comes to streamers that like that might be the case in all of these platforms like Spotify when we're thinking of podcasts, uh, maybe TikTok when we're thinking of like social media platforms. Um, so I think people are just like, mm, well, maybe like Canadian content will not actually show up. And the other funny part of this is that because this is mainly just consisting of tech platforms that'll need to pay the government and register with them, a lot of these tech, these all these tech platforms are private companies. 
They have secret sauce algorithms that they don't want to share with anybody else. Uh, and they definitely don't want to share it with the Canadian government and have the Canadian government be like, well, maybe you should like implement these search algorithms or like these IPO algorithms or whatever. I don't think I use the word IPO. I meant IP, not IPO. But they just don't want to share their algorithms uh, with anybody to make Canadian content easier to find or prioritize Canadian content in any way. And that's just like a business practice. So there's all these little moving little messy parts where you're like, there's a reason for Canadian for tech platforms to back out. Um, and we've seen one back out already. So that's where I think people are a little bit nervous as well. And the funny thing for me is, and any new Canadian, like speaking as an immigrant and other immigrants would, and other people who would just maybe like a bit more tacky, the VPN, the virtual private network, allows you to access the internet as if you're in any country in the world that yes. you would choose to be. So all of this is totally irrelevant if you download a very cheap VPN or um, a VPN service. You can go, oh, no, do you know what? I'm just going to access the internet through the USA. You know, the whole thing is can be entirely circumvented with software that has existed for a long time and is yeah. incredibly <laughs> easy to download and affordable. <laughs> so. Yeah. And like also if platforms were to prioritize Canadian content, they're not going to be like removing the office and like all of those things. Like you're still going to have access yeah, yeah. to them. It's just making Canadian content easier to find. And the other big part of this is that obviously with regulation, they're hoping that the CRTC is hoping that funding will come into the Canadian ecosystem of creators. So that funding will support content to be made and like we can see more canadian shows showing up that are like globally renowned and we can have a you know a shot at getting paid for art which is like so rare so that's yeah, another exactly, big thing exactly. that's hoping to happen through this kind of regulation because like let's be real i don't <laughs> google and like meta and all these tech platforms are really benefiting off of a lot of canadians using their platforms um, to share stuff and you know they've got money to spend like this is just going to be like a drop in the bucket in terms of like funding canadian creators what then happens though is they're like well if we're funding canadian creators then we've got to put money back into like the whole world basically <laughs> and like oh man now we got to pay for the content that we're distributing exactly god damn we're just a platform we're just a platform <laughs> we're just a we're platform, just a platform <laughs> though we're just yeah. a curator <laughs> So, you know, now big tech platforms have to spend money, which they don't want to do. No, it makes sense. I get as a business why they'd want to fight it, definitely. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> but they, they, I guess like the thing with them is they've become almost such an essential part of life. They kind of, they, the rules are different for them because um, I just remember when back uh, when uh, the BBC didn't have a website it kind of it's there was a bunch of shows where the producers and the people working on the shows had built their own websites for pod, uh, for, oh. no, for tv shows and radios and the bbc went through this unification process where they you know they they basically said no there's got to be one bbc website that accesses all websites this is how old i am and then and then they unified all of those websites under one bbc um kind of uh model and it kind of they then that they were talking about the fact that a lot of the reporters were that were then kind of using Twitter and Facebook, but the BBC had this thing where you couldn't show brands. It was it was it was the rules were you had to put a piece of tape over your kind of mm. North Face jacket logo. Even reporters, there was no branding allowed in it at, at all because it was a public broadcaster, and they've relaxed those because they're like everyone was branded clothes. 
as long as it's incidental and you're not like getting the jacket for free off North Face while you read the news, then, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a different different thing. So they then accepted the fact that they had to talk about Twitter and Facebook, um, even though they were brands and they were private businesses, because they're like, where else are we going to do this? They, there is no other, you know, there's no balance in terms of going, uh, use a platform like Twitter. You had to say, no, I'm on Twitter. And um, obviously then, you know, Twitter was it is X became it was such a big part of the news cycle, mm-hmm. generally speaking. So I think like like it it doesn't stand as like a it, they are businesses, but they they're so integral in society. Um, like when I escaped, when we like were evacuated from wildfires as 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 a family last summer, most of our information came through the resident Facebook group, mm-hmm. not from the government or anywhere else. So. I was had the most up to date information on what was going on through that platform, so it almost mm-hmm. becomes like a utility. I, I don't know, like how would you treat it? And uh, so yeah. it has to be regulated to a certain extent because it's not. It's it's similar to how you get it. It's the flow of of electricity or water to your house. It's the flow of information to your house or communication to the world. So um, I don't know what that means and how you would kind of like frame that, but it can't be treated as like just another business, I guess. Yeah. And the same sort of thing happened as well with the the uh, fires in um, Whitehorse last year as well. Like there was one community radio station that was really like updating their website and that became sort of the go-to for a lot of um, uh, residents in the, in the area. I think it was cabin radio and yeah. uh, otherwise, yeah, they were using Facebook groups, but people couldn't post articles so they were taking screenshots of the articles and uploading those instead and like so people will go around these uh these regulations anyway if if somebody if a tech platform like like meta were to back out uh and and did back out from sharing canadian news people will find ways to go up around it um but but yeah like <laughs> it just it's everything right now i call like a yet so we've seen yeah, some yeah. stuff happening and like i'm cool with it so far but i don't know what's gonna happen yet (laughs) exactly (laughs) i I, I was gonna say with a ctrc like talking as like people who are immersed in the podcast industry you know that when that bill came out and they they required all podcasts or podcast organizations with a revenue of more than was it 10 million that had to register now my reaction was that's not a big deal because most the vat the ctrc I don't know, they're going to get a hard lesson in realizing how few podcasters make $10 million a year. Um, and the, especially in Canada. And and also, you, you know, you maybe have like, I can understand Apple, Acast, larger mm-hmm. platforms, you know, Libs and AdvertiseCast. They're companies that have large revenue, but they are platforms essentially. Um, but do you think like a lot of people were saying this is just the start? So were they then going to go, hey, everyone who earns over a million now has to register or $10,000. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where I stand on it. I feel like the legislation was written by people who don't understand the industry <laughs> at all. Uh, so maybe the, the um, you know, by, I, 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 I worry that I know people worry about it, but I, I kind of didn't feel fear that there was some kind of, there was going to grow into something despotic or terrifying for the industry, I guess. Yeah, it's weird because like my impression of that was and like this is also vague. So people are really trying to make sense of it like you and I right now. Um, My impression of that was that it was like um, audio and podcast distribution platforms that make over $10,000. But I don't know because it also could refer to like studios and like networks that have a bunch of podcasts. Um, But 
it, it's so strange. So yeah, I I kind of assumed the only people who are registering with the CRTC when it comes to podcasts would would be like Apple and Spotify yeah. and um, Amazon um, and and things like that that are definitely definitely making like over. $10 million off of podcasts. Um, it will no longer yeah, be yeah. Google, but it could be Google too, because YouTube is becoming like a big part of the podcasting space as well. Um, so I figured like those would be the platforms that would be registering. Um, but like the whole point of, of this is to have platforms pay out uh, into the creation of Canadian content. So if like, you know, if podcasters want to make money off of this bill, I feel like they're also going to have to register, right? Because like, how do you get yeah. the money? <laughs> so I think like that is an interesting thing that I see coming is that people will need to register their podcasts in some capacity in order to get paid out by platforms that their podcasts are hosted on. Um, that's just sort of like me connecting the dots a little bit. And I think if you are afraid of the government and you don't want them to have like any information on you or your podcast, then yeah, you might not want to register with the CRTC. Um, but I'm personally down. I'm, I would do it as long as it's easy and like not complicated and has like a bunch of paperwork. Like I think it needs to be super simple. There needs to be like an easy dashboard where people can like, log in to something on the CRTC there should not be any paperwork it should be digital and you should be able to access funds and like sign up for funds in some capacity like that needs to all be thought through I think in a very simple way because this has to work <laughs> like the government so takes a long time to do everything too so like who knows like when this is actually who knows what even the state of podcast is going to be by the time this is all sorted out you know this could be years. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I could create a new RSS feed in less than five minutes. I could copy my show multiple times within an hour onto new multiple feeds. Like yeah. the the I, I get that like, hey, if you register your podcast, um, then you can also apply for grants to fund your podcast. Would be a great carrot on a stick for a lot of podcasters in Canada to go, oh my God, yeah, I want a, like a, an mm -hmm. incubation grant to get my podcast going, or I can spend that on marketing, or 
I can buy a microphone or whatever, whatever it is they want to do to, to get going. Like if they offered that, I could see why it would be appealing for Canadian content creators. But the if you take the carrot off the stick and you just have a stick, I don't know how they would ever police podcasting. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if it's like... So, it's so easy to yeah. make new shows. Like, I wonder if you'll have to like trademark your 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 podcast name in order for it to be considered like because news publishers have already been registered with the CRTC for a while. Um, so I think it'd be a similar, a similar pro- sort of process. And I'm guessing news publishers like Toronto star CBC, I guess they have trademarks. Um, so I guess they would expect sort of any podcast that would want to be involved in this and make money off of these platforms would have to trademark their podcast. And like, maybe that would be a bit of an exclusionary tactic from getting yeah, like, like all of these small <laughs> yeah. podcasters from doing it. Like if you have the money to spend on a trademark, then, then you'll get money because you're more established or whatever anybody yeah, considers yeah. that to be. I don't know. We'll see. It's so messy. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm one of those people who like, I, I think that like a lot of podcasts don't have the intention of making money. They're just doing fun, creative projects. Some of them make mm-hmm. money by accident. Some of them have a strategy, like a fast growth strategy where they want to make money. But like through my business, we make podcasts that the intention is is about sharing a story or like changing a narrative or, or like transforming transforming people's ideas around a particular topic. It's PR and communications. There's no revenue generation from the audience directly. It's it's much more of a hey, these are important stories. We need to tell mm-hmm. them. And uh and like, you know, maybe like 99% of podcasters will will have sunk more money into their project than they'll ever make from it and time. Mm-hmm. So the the burden of regulation on them seems laughable. Um, I think that like when you do have shows of a, I think it's about scale. I think when you have shows that become larger media operations that are almost you can see like a lot of pod, the podcasts that grow into a media operation with multiple platforms. Uh, you know they've got TikTok and they've got Instagram alongside their podcast and a growing YouTube. I think that's a different beast. But mm-hmm. um, when it's kind of you know four friends getting drunk talking about sci-fi films um <laughs> once a month i don't see i don't see why the ctrc needs a role in that <laughs> why that yeah. benefits society <laughs> it is funny because the state of like canadian podcasts is much different because i i can see something working this being more relevant for a lot of things that i see happening in the u.s where there's a lot of um podcast production studios slash networks so they're kind of both so they have like yeah. an actual studio space where people can come in and record and their mics are like branded there's one called dear media um and you see a lot of sort of like american celebs using their um using their space and then they are their podcast is therefore also a part of like a larger network and they have like a big um push in terms of like social media content and and the celebrities that they're working with and like clearly they've got some money in order to even have a studio and like push out all of this content i think those would be the kinds of businesses that would be registering with the crtc in some capacity um but like those don't really exist in canada it's actually wild like sonar was the closest thing to that um but they are like they're a small business like they're nowhere near like the level of of that so so it's just it seems like a different ecosystem and almost like the the regulation works better in the states than it does in Canada. We just aren't well, even like we aren't big enough. <laughs> no, and even like my business, like we have multiple 
recordings like half of them are remote half of them in the studio but anywhere between five to 15 episodes recorded per week with our team and mm-hmm. we're putting out multiple shows per week uh, bi-weekly monthly across like all of our clients um you know like i said like we've we've got like anywhere between actively running usually somewhere between 25 and 60 shows depending on if the season has ended or they're kind of you know ramping up um but none of those shows are kind of the, the it's a lot of it is we have some clients in the us and the uk but there's a lot of um there is a lot of canadian content being produced but it tends to not be broadcast content it's mm-hmm. much more messaging around um you know like um beyond research the the podcast we make it's about educating people about what the scientific investment uh in nova scotia in research is doing to benefit society so it's a very direct and i don't know like that is Canadian content, but it's not like the same as a CBC show in in that sense. It's it's an organization yeah. share, sharing its story with the world. And I don't know how that would apply to, you know, that are you going to start doing the same to corporate videos on YouTube? Do you know what I mean? I don't, <laughs> it's so uh, it's, weird. The lines and are, then also the lines are so the, blurred. <laughs> like, yeah. And then the CRTC has like a facts and myths page about stuff, about just like questions that people have. And it says a person who creates a video or audio content and creates or creates a podcast is not a broadcaster and not modern uh is not it's not a broadcaster it's like not considered under a modernized version of the broadcast act so like technically pot like individual creators shouldn't be impacted by this in any way it's just like distributors i'm it just is so weird <laughs> everything's so I know, exactly. vague and you're exactly. like basically uh i saw a really great quote about this and that it was that the crtt has said we're going to regulate podcasts but we're not going to tell you why or how <laughs> we just because we don't know <laughs> we're just gonna I, I honestly just think is that they don't know yet i don't think they, they think don't part know of them register registering those organizations making 10 million or more a year is to understand yeah. who the hell is out there yeah because how else would you do it? They need to know, okay, what does this even look like? And to start the threshold of 10 million shows that they're kind of like, oh, well, they're comparing that to like Rogers or those kind of organizations. Then they're looking out and like, I don't know, the five people who replied. Yeah. <laughs> they go, oh, wow, I'm just this, you know, I, I think part of it is them feeling their way blindly across an industry that is totally decentralized and not easy to navigate if you're not kind of... um involved in it i guess or kind yeah. of have been in it for a while um and I, is it is interesting because i i was i like being playful with it and when when the bill went through i put a, a fake um a little fake story about our podcast out on social media saying uh, and i was to gauge what the reaction would be like i was basically that's it our podcast is officially closed down thanks communism was basically the kind of the tank <laughs> and like half the people like did like a laugh emoji and the other half were like oh my god like it's like i can't believe this happened and it just it, for me it was just more of a hey let's be playful and show that like i had some people message us going are you really being closed down by the government i was like no it's just a joke yeah <laughs> like, again nobody's being closed down by the government it is all no, no, no. up to the private companies who are being impacted by the government they are the ones deciding what's happening to everybody so i feel like exactly. that's the thing that needs to be like highlighted for everybody, because everyone's like, the Canadian government, Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau <laughs> exactly. hates podcasts and free speech. And I'm like, no, I don't think Justin Trudeau even really understands what's happening with all of this either. All he knows is no. that he can no longer post his CBC articles on Facebook. All, he, all, he's, all he's doing 
is waiting to retire so he could launch his own podcast um, yeah. and and speak to world leaders and uh, get a front page, uh, you know, get on the front page of Apple with a nice black and white photo. That's his I really, my hey, can we talk about the, yeah, let's talk about the kind of podcast we want Trudeau to, to create when he leaves. Yes, exactly. So I think I want him more to uh, enter the divorced dad territory and like yes. have a uh, more of like the a celebrity personal, divorced dads. Yeah. Like I want him to invite on fellow celebrity <laughs> divorced dads and then host like a podcast about living as a divorced dad. Or it's called Wife Number Two, and it's him interviewing potential suitors. <laughs> I feel like I need to look up if that's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's Wife Number Two. <laughs> Actually, be a good reality TV show. Be, oh, yeah. The Bachelor, but Trudeau style. Yeah, exactly. They're all. I would watch that. A, he's just got a big house on the lake, and they're all in there living together. <laughs> so. Okay, confirming there is no podcast called Wife Number Two. It is available for you to know if you are listening. Go ahead I'm gonna, and take I'm gonna claim it, and then he'll have to buy it off me in, in a few years. Oh yeah, make sure you get the donate the domain to wife number two dot com exactly. or dot ca dot ca. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly, Canada after exactly. all. Um, and I one of the things I, <laughs> I I'm going to design the cover art for that podcast. I just can't. <laughs> it's in my head now. I won't be able to sleep until I've actually produced it. He's going to get it some tattooed on somebody's body as yeah. well. <laughs> Or find a, just a really good Justin Trudeau per impersonator and just start making the show already. You know? <laughs> so, um, you could one, with one of the AI. Was, yeah. You could with AI. Exactly. You don't even need a person. It's really scary. It I is really scary. I'm worried. We've got like over 360 episodes of our show and I am so worried how easy it is for someone to clone my voice. Have um, you set up your safe uh, word with your family yet? Uh, I, I should. Um, you should. But... I got to explain how that works first to all to my wife and the four kids. I don't think they'll get it. <laughs> so. Basically, you just need a word that everybody knows and uh, that only people in your family know. I mean, and then that way, if they get a phone call from you one day and it seems like weird, they can ask you what the safe word is. And then if that's you can't good. say the safe word, then that's not you. Or you that's, can that's like, if it Actually, seems unsafe, you can like try and integrate the safe word into a conversation because the safe word is so random that like only you would know that, okay, it's being weirdly like integrated into this conversation, you know? I've I, had, had this conversation. Weird... No, no, I've, I've, I, I, and I think the, the whole, people are having weird conversations because of AI. Um, oh yeah. My, my, my seven-year-old son last night asked Alexa if she would marry him. And she started going, well, how well do you know me? And she gave him a quiz, like asking her favorite color and her favorite food. And I was like, this is weird. This is a seven-year-old boy speaking to, uh, like being groomed by an AI. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other exciting episode that I'm I'm excited for you to do because there is an entire like innovation commissioner in Canada. His job is innovation. And this has been like a massive conversation happening in Canada around regulating AI and not having the, the conversation around not enough people having this conversation, who's in charge of it, what's going to happen with AI. It is very interesting to listen to and just hear it where is. people's heads are at. The thing I always find interesting though is that 
I don't. It, it, it's 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 one thing for Canada and the Canadian government and Canadians to have a conversation about it, but I feel like there's very little control or influence that that will have. If you know what I mean, it's, it's good because that AI. Like, are like you saying the, democracy the, isn't working, Reese? <laughs> I'm just saying the internet is totally borderless. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> um, and the, the 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 danger, I guess, is that um, unless that conversation is then had internationally. I kind of feel like it's um, will still be affected by other countries. It all it takes is one country to go, no rules, no regulations with AI, and I feel like that could just you know have an impact for everyone. I guess globally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, it's AI is crazy, but I, I I I went down a rabbit hole kind of looking at like say so say say I did my fake post saying the government has shut us down, but I was like, well, what if what if actually like. I don't know, Jesse said something really nasty about Justin Trudeau and the government then were like, no, we need to shut this podcast down, which wouldn't happen. It'd be great for our publicity if it did, but um, we both realistically know (laughs) it's not going to (laughs) happen. So I looked into um, kind of podcasts essentially being deplatformed. And as you said, like, is the point you made earlier was the individual platforms can deplatform. So... um, when, uh, for instance, uh, it was Steve Bannon was banned by YouTube, Twitter, and Spotify because he called for the uh, the beheading of Dr. Anthony Fauci and the FBI de- de- director, Christopher Wray. And um, he was his, his podcast was deplatformed by the major platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple didn't. Um, they did, like, apparently put, like, a... Um, uh, they indexed it so it wasn't as discoverable. Um, but also, even if Apple had taken it off, it was still accessible on so many other podcast apps because the RSS feed existed. Mm-hmm. And you can host an RSS feed anywhere. Like, it's like, that's the beauty of it. Like, it's, it's, I don't know how you would place an RSS feed. I'm um, only wondering if, like, because there are so many easily RSS feed providers that you can, like, set up, make an account with, like Acast and um, Buzzsprout and different things like that. Like, could, they must have terms and conditions that you sign up for when you create something that you're like, I agree not to spread hate speech. Um, yeah. And they could probably remove the RS you from like, you just remove your RSS feed. Um, but you could create an, an- another account or you could just yeah. make one somewhere else, or you can just code your own RSS feed. Exactly. And the thing is, is that yes, you're going to lose your subscribers. That's that, without a doubt, you'll lose your subscribers. But at the same time, um, if you have enough following followers on other alternative platforms, then you can always say, hey, don't worry, here's the new link to the podcast if you want to listen. Yeah. It's very you can keep like almost like a nomad, keep moving around your RSS feed um to a host that doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um to a place that, you know, where it's totally fine. But I think that like that's the it, the, the the consequence was that like it was very hard for him to be taken off the air uh in a podcast sense and even like alex jones like the mm-hmm. um the, like the the people have tried to wipe him off but like the show is still available on like a lot of the smaller apps like Castbox and and also there's a lot of small startups in the podcast industry who are kind of creating um their own mini kind of podcast apps and innovating, you know, maybe there's like two or three people work for those companies. And the idea of them being responsible for moderating all of the podcasts that could be accessed through the, mm-hmm. their app is, you know, is it's 
it's not economically viable for them as a business and it's almost impossible for the bigger organizations anyway, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if the government, like if the, if the platforms want to deplatform, they, they can, but, um, I guess they're reliant, going to be reliant on a lot of like citizen activists reporting specific shows to them for that mm-hmm. kind of discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, it's totally unpleased and wild west. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Yes. It's the nature of the content too. Like, because these bills like C11 and C18, they're essentially just like modernization bills for broadcasting um, and nothing has really officially been decided or moved forward with. Like I think the only things that we've seen so far have been like preemptive measures. So that just like makes this whole conversation just like a little bit chaotic (laughs) because it's just all over the place. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I, I don't know. The way I see it going is that as the by the time the I mean the government is playing catch up. So by the time the government does play catch up to where we are now, everything would have already have moved on. I so, know. So far. That's so what it's I think always, too. Always going to be a slow creep uh, trying to play catch up, and no one. The government is never going to surprise anyone and go, "Haha, we got fifty two steps ahead of you." Um, on this, I just don't <laughs> see it. Don't see it happening. No, it's definitely not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so um with uh with that like what what would you say um uh if people were gonna if people wanted to kind of find more information about this or like if to get like we're talking about how much of a like a mess it is uh where, where would you kind of go for like report like reporting to, to kind of access good reporting or reliable information because it is there's we're spoiled for options but totally. um you know a uh What's the phrase? A wealth of choice is a poverty of attention or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Butchering quotes. I don't know. But you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> pretty legit. Um, I mean, I I did write about this a couple of times on Pod the North, and um, I consciously tried to listen to and read a, articles from like a variety of sources just to kind of like see what people are talking about and how people are reacting to it and what are the sort of the major themes coming up. And that's given me a good perspective on sort of like who's freaking out about free speech and why and who is sort of more frustrated with these bills because they haven't been fully articulated and they're just too vague to make any decisions off of. So those seem to be like the main um, discussions around this is free speech and just like, what the hell are these bills for real? Like, let's be real here. Um, And one of my favorite people, though, to follow uh, just for things about regulation is Vas Bednar. Um, She writes a really great newsletter called Regs to Riches. Um, And she's been uh, a guest and um, somebody that a lot of folks, a lot of media and networks um, look to, to be a commentator on regulation and stuff like that. So she's been somebody that I think can articulate this stuff very well um, and someone that's trustworthy. So I really like her work. And so I'll listen for places where she's sort of been on podcasts and in the news and stuff like that. Um, But I do think it is important to kind of just do what I did, Google keywords find see what comes up and and give it a browse and just have like the media literacy to um consume it with like a critical eye and just see like what resonates with you what doesn't and if anything is really like starting to make you feel some type of way um then maybe take a sec to reflect on like what it is that you're nervous about and um and just try and see what the reality is versus 
you know, you know, expectations versus reality. Like you might be freaking out one moment, but then when you really get to dissect different perspectives, you're like, huh, I guess I don't need to freak out yet. No, no. And, and I think that's it as well. It's like people are swimming against a tide of clickbaity headlines that yes. are designed specifically to get an emotional reaction. But often, and I'm guilty of this, I say this as someone who does this all the time, I, I won't read the full article. Um, or often no articles are behind paywalls. So like sometimes you just the, you have this lasting memory in your head of the kind of shock um, headline that didn't provide the entire context of the story. And one of the things like, I've had to try to do, especially with this issue, is to kind of make sure that I am taking the time to, to read all the, And also, like, who did they talk to? Where were the sources from? And I, I think that that's it. Is if, if you read something that... Um, also, if you read something that feeds into your own bias, I, mm-hmm. think, I, I, I think you've always got to make the effort to kind of read the detail just because you don't want to... You slide further into the echo chamber of uh, confirmation totally. bias. That it's, yeah. it's, um, don't, don't just feel validated by headlines. You've also <laughs> got to read the ones, read the ones that scare you, and the ones that make you feel like you were right. Totally. <laughs> so, like, and also, I've been. That's why I've also been really into listening to podcasts about this stuff, mm. um, because you get the same sort of uh, detailed information, but the headlines are less like in your face, and you kind of just enter into a podcast ready to learn. And I've definitely listened to the same podcast like a couple of times over just to like really break down and understand like what they're saying because sometimes you really have to process information um and that takes like a certain extent of reading so i'll like i'll stop a podcast and like jot down some notes and that'll kind of help me um figure out like what i'm learning here kind of thing but i've i've really liked listening to a lot of podcasts because they're free and you can get a really great variety of voices and and perspectives um because there are so many people talking about stuff like this um and some of them might be experts some of them might just be creators who are a bit nervous so you can get a lot of range of perspectives that you might not normally get in written media um uh because you're also getting opinion as well which is interesting uh interesting way to like really break down the news because you know opinion is never news but for me it is when i'm thinking about like what people are afraid of and what people are talking about so i like to kind of look at that and help me dissect the news a little bit more too yeah well i hope that we have helped paint a picture of and a better understanding of those bills <laughs> i hope so <laughs> I've, I've had fun i know jesse would be like jesse would be so angry at us for not making more uh inappropriate jokes and uh hey we made fun of things, trudeau but... for like we did a whole bit about trudeau i think we did oh, that's well. true yeah, yeah yeah i'll just send him that chunk yeah <laughs> just for his approval so. <laughs> but um uh i i uh hopefully it was a useful discussion and that people could kind of uh you know take it as a as a thought starter for themselves i guess to go and take a look at it but um i'm my headline is that i'm not really hugely worried about it um mainly because um it's a fun creative space that moves very quickly and changes all the time um and uh i think it's very hard for regulation to keep up with that um that's just where i stand (laughs) i totally agree totally agree Cool. All right. Well, well, Katie, thank you so much for for doing this. Um, and uh, I I want you to directly promote your newsletter or <laughs> other things where people you'd like people to go for listening to this. Sure. So. Well, thank you so much for having me, Reese uh, and Jesse from abroad. Um, I really appreciate it. this. Was super fun. Um, 
I am a freelance podcast producer, so you can find all of my work on katielord.com. Um, or you can read my newsletter about the Canadian podcasting ecosystem. It's called Pod the North, and you can find it on Substack, or you can just type in podthenorth.com and you'll get directed there. So that's my stuff. I try to write about Canadian podcasting um, and just up, 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 help, this, help the ecosystem thrive. Yeah. I, I I consume yours your your regular emails. Thank so, you very uh, much. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, um, hopefully we'll uh, Jesse will be back soon if he hasn't. Again, I don't know. He's doing this crazy volcano tour in in cool. Sicily at the moment. Uh, his mind has been blown by the fact that you can buy alcohol cheaply and then drink it in public in in Europe. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. I listened to one of your recent episodes and oh, there we go. <laughs> heard all the pals that he made in the background yelling you to go fuck yourself. I think like that wasn't very nice. I know. I think he asked them to do it. He's really mean sometimes, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so it's all thank good. You, all right. Thank you so much. <laughs> on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it, no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.